0: so this is charlotte some of y'all might not know charlotte so charlotte do you want to introduce yourself again quickly
1: yeah i'm charlotte naylor davis um i'm a biblical scholar and a lay minister at a church in leeds in the uk that's where i live isn't it yeah and uh and a a long-term kind of friend of james's and so yeah i've been invited here thank you for having me
0: so charlotte was uh, my mentor and uh People some yeah, you know, people ask about your faith journey and what have you. And I don't know who like the second most influential person was on my faith journey. Um the person the, the pastor in the church I sort of grew up in, uh, my mother's been influential, there's been a lot of people I meet. Uh, but Charlotte is the indisputed number one person that's been most influential. So there's a lot to blame, frankly. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> yeah. a lot for making me <laughs> poor. Um, <laughs>
1: Anything he says that's good is credit to me. Anything bad, he came up with himself. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's
0: how this works. I, uh, <laughs> someone after the surface was like, has James just like surrounded himself with brilliant women and quoted them? Is that his life? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So yep. thanks for being one of those brilliant women, Charlotte. Well,
1: thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for letting me do this in conversation. So what you don't know about me is that um, I have a chronic illness and um, it makes me tired all the time. Um, and I've been at a conference last week. And so when I, James invited me to do this, he said we could do it as conversation. And that's partly as a kind of inclusive accessibility thing for my brain, because <laughs> he can prompt me if I lose <laughs> track of stuff. And then this week I had COVID. Um, I hope I didn't give it to anyone last week.
0: So as far as we're aware, you didn't. We thought and th- she's been testing negative for a couple of days. Yeah, that's why I'm back. was the reason gonna why there's around. a bigger gap between us now.
1: Yeah. Yes, so this is good
0: <laughs> okay cool so today we're mainly going to be talking about crushed genitals because <laughs> because they come up in the Bible quite a lot and we think it's important yeah, they're here. yeah I'm gonna read I'm gonna read two pieces of scripture and then we'll, we'll then we're gonna get into a bit of a conversation so we're gonna start from Genesis 1. And we'll start at we'll start at twenty-four. And that is on page two of the Bible. <laughs> I believe that you'll be able to find it. One. So Genesis one, starting at verse 24. That's on page two of most Bibles. It says this. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And now we're going to go to Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1 says No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. No one born of a forbidden marriage, nor any of his descendants, may enter the assembly of the Lord, even down to the tenth generation. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, even down to the 10th generation.
1: Not a passage often read.
0: (laughs) Not, not. I want to say, anyone heard this preached on before, Deuteronomy 23? (laughs) Okay, we're doing it. So the good news is we can basically make it up and you don't know what we're talking about. You have nothing to compare it with.
1: Brilliant. (laughs)
0: So we're going to get straight into it. One of the things that we've been talking about the last few weeks is bad ideas that we have about the Bible. And we recognize that some of us are coming to church, coming to Scripture, coming to the Bible with some difficult ideas and maybe some ideas that we've been told, but actually when we spend time with the Bible, when we really examine it, when we really spend time, when we dance with it, when we weep into it, when we let it weep into us, we realize that actually those things don't seem to add up. And one of the things that I think isn't adding up for us right now, uh, but I think is a very pertinent conversation, is this bad idea that the Bible says that there are only two genders. And so today we're going to be talking about the idea that actually Scripture is a lot more nuanced than perhaps we've given it credit and perhaps it's often preached about being given credit for. So we'll start with Genesis 1 because that's kind of seen as a trump There's just binary, male and female, the end, nothing more to it and let's not even have a discussion. Um, I'll just go on for a little bit longer. I think what's like interesting to me here is there's really two things that jump out. One is that it certainly says that God created male and female. It also says God created the sun and the sky and the moon. Uh, but it doesn't say that God created, say, Venus, right? So whilst it's certainly everything in Genesis 1 is created by God, not everything created by God is in Genesis 1. There are things that don't make it. The other thing is that God creates night and day, which is wonderful. But God, I believe, also created dawn and dusk. And so whilst God does create these binaries, he also creates the pieces in between. Uh I know. Any thoughts to that? Anything to add?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, <coughs> I think it's a, a really good place to start, right? So is Genesis the entirety of everything? <laughs> or is this a story that gives us a framework in which God is moving and God is uh, present and a part of everything, right? And yeah, th- those, there's, a, there's some really great theologians and, and particularly kind of Jewish teachers that talk about these th- these binaries that we see in this kind of pattern if you look at the very beginning of Genesis, if you look at the days, you get these, these pairs, but they're poetic pairs. <laughs> you know, they don't cover the kind of binaries, but everything inside is implied. Mm. And if that's the case, then if we just look at male and female. We also might have a whole bunch of stuff in between those binaries that is implied, mm. that can be covered by God. Mm. So it doesn't solve all of our problems. You know, maybe we do want to think of it as a, as a binary but it opens something up. It's not as kind of um, straightforward as we want it to be, as people want it to just say, look, they just mentioned male and female in Genesis. That's all there is. You can't talk about other genders because like you say, we don't go, well, don't be talking to me about the seashore then. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's
1: land on the sea. I don't want to hear about beaches. I don't want to see your holiday snaps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in the beaches. The, <laughs> the
0: beaches is anathema. <laughs> they are not in, they're one. not in
1: Genesis. And, we, and the question is, like we were talking about last week, a, a, I'm hoping people kind of heard us talk last week, but that, that the Bible is something we interact with, and it's, it's guidance, and it's poetry, and it's rhetoric, and it's all of those things, and it is teaching. but
0: And it's living, and it's, it's living. breathing. And
1: so... Again, if we're not going to take a kind of serious bi- like binary stance on night and day and again assume that just the lights go off at 7 <laughs> everything's <laughs> dark maybe we can breathe a little bit <laughs> take it you know not panic so much when we're talking about gender and go oh actually there's space here like there is mm. for other things. I think the other thing is this phrase has a really lovely bit um, in your translation it said and God created man in his image and then male and female he created them they created them so um, our translation really should just be the the human right Mm. so so adam is created and adam is just the human my bible says humankind which is a isn't a great kind of god created humankind in his image but really it's just the human so there's this sort of story where god creates just one being Mm. and that one being has everything in it is humanity mm. until they get separated so this it's called it's a figure of speech I looked it up <laughs> I don't know these things off the top of my head. it's a spi- figure of speech we called a merism or a merism yeah. and we get it in the Bible a lot right so what it does is it's two contrasting statements mm. that contain the whole so first God creates man in his image male and female he's created them These are two contrasting things but they contain the whole of humanity so you get it in things like the old shall dream dreams and the young shall see visions they're contrasting but they encompass everything Mm. so that's what's happening in in this little phrase in here is that this is god creating the whole of humanity and inside of that inside of god's image is everything that gender encompasses Mm. (laughs) which which is much again much more expansive than just and god created adam a man (laughs) <laughs> a male <laughs> mm. there with that body actually this is a phrase that kind of contains all of humanity in it and mm. god created the man
0: beautiful right mm. i think and i do want to stress this over and over again that we both love the bible love scripture really base our lives around yep. it we really <laughs> do um but we also want to recognize it and take it for what it is and so mm. i believe that genesis 1 is both completely true and also is poetry yeah. designed to help people understand who they are, who is mm. God, what does love look like, yeah. all those beautiful questions. And again, a cookbook is true, but it's not going to like tell me how I'm feeling. No. Like, that's not <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and poetry is true, but it's not going to tell me how to make a sandwich. Like, that's not <laughs> – we can recognize <laughs> that things can be true without yeah. – I, and I don't think – Genesis 1 is not designed to be a science textbook. Right. That's not – it's true but it's not yeah. science. No. And I think those, we we need to hold yeah. that tension and that can be difficult, I think.
1: Yeah, it can be really hard, can't it? Because y- because you want to sort of go like, but surely this is, we can just grasp one thing. And I get it, because sometimes you just want to grasp a things Simple answers Simple are so, <laughs> they're so nice.
0: We, we complain about this all the time, that yeah. everyone else has simpler answers than we do.
1: <laughs> but but there's a joy for me that I really got when I was studying Old Testament, was that one of my tutors just said, look, you don't need to worry about trying to make Genesis scientific or make science match Genesis because they're both as- answering different questions. Mm. And because they're answering different questions, you can find joy in both of them. And the way that she talked about Genesis was she said, look, if you have a child and your child comes to you and asks, How is are babies made? There are two, g- uh, there's how are babies made, right? Very kind of, that's, I guess that's. Graphic and biological. (laughs) I guess that's a biological answer, and you'll give them a biological answer depending on how old they are, hopefully an appropriate one. Um, But if they came to you and said, why was I made? You would probably talk about your family. You'd talk about love. You'd talk about your relationship with your partner. You'd talk about kind of why you decided to have children. Both of those are true stories about how a child comes to be. Mm. But they answer different questions, and Genesis, is a why question why are we what is my place in the universe what's my relationship to god it's people asking god why 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 are we here and the answer comes because god looked and wanted to make something good and wanted to make something beautiful and made it look like themselves and created something of themselves in this and now there's a relationship story but it's not a how so again when it comes to gender when people get to kind of like well there's just male and female in this in this book at the beginning it's like well okay but you know that's again are, are we looking to it for your scientific definition of gender or is this about god making humankind mm. and so when i look at it i go kind of go like there's a lot of space in here
0: mm. for
1: a lot of love and beauty to be created
0: mm. Speaking of love and beauty, (laughs) let's talk about crushed genitals, (laughs) because we've been putting this off for too long, frankly. Uh, All right, Charlotte, what's the deal with eunuchs? Why why, why is Deuteronomy 23 a thing? I don't understand. Why why are the people with no testicles, and why aren't they allowed? Okay.
1: (laughs) So this is where we just come to kind of a basic thing. Are there only two genders in the Bible? No. No because there are this other group of people who are mentioned and they're mentioned all the way through. That's not just in the Old Testament, they're mentioned in the New Testament. Sorry, I'm uh, yeah. not doing Express well with this. Expressed with one hand. With one hand. <laughs> so, so, the, so there's a basic answer, you can all go home now. Are there only two genders in the Bible? No, there's at least three gender expressions in the Bible because there's eunuchs. So eunuchs in the ancient world um, are generally people who are assigned male at birth, um, who for various reasons have their genitals removed or um, live as a kind of third gender expression. Um, not always with their genitals removed. It's not, I'm gonna say genitals a lot, okay? So sorry. Just Just s- you, s- <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be
0: here next <laughs> week. I'm the one yeah. um,
1: So they often, because uh, they're living in this third gender expression space, they're thought of quite often as non threatening. Um, so they have access to women's spaces quite often. So in the book of Esther, Esther has eunuchs that serve in the harem because they're not a threat.
0: Which is a non male space. A non male space. And we think as just being a female space, mm. but eunuchs are there. But eunuchs are there. And but so eunuchs aren't female. No. And they're not male. And they're not male. But they're still allowed there. But they're still allowed okay. there.
1: So quite a lot of uh, gender expression in the ancient world is set up it is set up quite in kind of kind of binary terms, but there is I guess it's it's a I don't know what it is. Is it that trinary? Is that the word? I don't know what the word is. There's a third space. And quite often you can cross spaces. So uh, men can act in women's spaces and women can act in male spaces, but you're not meant to blur these lines. But eunuchs exist in this other space. I'm saying they're mainly assigned male at birth because one of the difficulties with the Bible is it is written mainly from a patriarchal point of view, mainly from a male point of view. So women's sexuality and gender is not something considered very highly we don't really get much of a look in. It's why there's, there are texts kind of about homosexuality, but not. But they mainly talk about men, because women aren't really kind of considered important. very important <laughs> um, when it comes to kind of sex and gender. So, so that's what's happening here. So we have eunuchs, um, like I say, sometimes they don't. Have we also have just men who have been damaged. So that's one of the reasons the Deuteronomy um, verse exists. Um, so, we could have, you could have decided to be castrated uh, as you got older. You could have been castrated by your master. So, often slaves were castrated. It makes a slave non threatening. It's imposed upon people. That's not great. Um, it could be people who just don't express themselves in the way that they want to get married or kind of normative patterns. And the normative pattern in the ancient world is you get married very young. So, people who don't do that, quite often are considered to be eunuchs. They sit outside that space and they're recognized and given a special like space. Because they're not
0: married at 19 or yep. something. <laughs>
1: yeah, so they're given a special space uh, in which to kind of maneuver and live and they are recognized for that. Um, but it also could be somebody who's damaged. Um, so there are edicts in Leviticus and Deuteronomy about kind of damage to a body because people with damages to their body aren't allowed in ritual spaces. Um, because you have to have a perfect body to go into the temple. So that's kind of where our eunuchs come from. What's interesting is it's a social category. Now, you might hear in lots of discussions about gender these days, the idea that gender is a social construct. It's something that we, it's based on our culture, it's not necessarily based on what's going on in our bodies, but based in kind of our culture and how our cultural expression goes. Women wear dresses, do these things. Men wear trousers, do these things. But actually, when you look through history, we know that in different cultures, look across the globe, different cultures have different rules. We talked last week about our haircuts. Greco Roman society, our haircuts are very, very wrong.
0: Ashamed of both of our haircuts. Both our haircuts are wrong. Um, my mum's ashamed of my haircut as well. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> so. What's interesting here is that we have evidence of that, right? This is kind of good news, so right back in the ancient world, we have evidence that gender is something that is socially constructed because eunuchs are a social category. They aren't just a bodily category, it's about where you can socially go, it's what you can socially do, it's how you socially act. It's not just what's going on with your body. So that is interesting because it's more in line with what we think now than you know, we like to think the ancient world is completely different and categories were just really simple back then. It's like, mm, no, actually they're much more fluid and they move around a lot more than we think. So, <laughs> <I> <laughs> want uh, me to carry to on?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. Just <coughs> to point out as well, I think this is important that, that Jesus kind of acknowledges eunuchs as this as his third category as well. Yeah. Um, and we like talking about Jesus. We do like talking so about Jesus. So maybe, maybe we'll just like... Yes. Do we want to quote Matthew 19 or... I guess I can talk... I'll just say quickly, Matthew, uh, in Matthew 19, Jesus gives some teaching on divorce, which is quite interesting and quite difficult, which is okay. Uh, and then at, at the end of it, basically, I lo- this is like wonderful. Charlotte and I laugh about this. At the end of Jesus' teaching on divorce, which is, is essentially like don't just, like, leave a woman destitute for no reason. Like, that's that's his point, really. It's yep. like, no, don't create widows. That's yep. not kind or fair. Yeah. Um, again, we want to be careful about divorce now, divorce them. But he's basically saying, don't just leave women destitute. That's not okay. And the disciples say to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Like... <laughs> I love it. Just like, well, they just throw their toys out of the pram well, entirely. If, if
1: I can't divorce a woman, I, I don't want to do a marry t- her. <laughs>
0: yeah, like good one. The disciples are great, um, but then the Jesus says, "Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way; others were made that way by men, and others renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it." so like speak to that a bit
1: so we've got yeah jesus acknowledges three different ways that you might kind of be a eunuch um and again this is jesus acknowledging that there is a outside Outside of the binary way to be male marriage yeah yeah. way to exist and saying it's a good thing right Mm. so there are three things there so we'll go backwards people who are made make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven this is a little bit of jesus's hyperbole you remember when he tells people if they're too lustful they should gouge their eyes out uh, well he's kind of saying if you can't abide by kind of decent marriage laws you should castrate yourself <laughs> um he's being a bit hyperbolic there probably doesn't really mean it but he's saying like if that's the case if you need to be clean if you need to for the kingdom of heaven be without any sin then you can d- always do that Um, There are those who are made by men, so those who are slaves that have been um, forcibly made to be eunuchs. And then this really interesting third category, there are those who are born eunuchs. And again, this is Jesus acknowledging right there in our New Testament that there are people who are born who do not fit the the kind of normative behavior of getting married, having children. Um, it covers a whole bunch of people right so it covers everything probably from people who voluntarily want to fit into this third space or assigned male at birth but don't feel that they are male and so they live in a female space but it also could be people who find that they are infertile because again it's not a good thing to get married if you know you can't have children so if you've got if you've had damage to your genitalia then uh, so
0: if you're if you're unable to have unable, children yep. you likely wouldn't get married because yeah. that's not like there yeah. or right yeah. or expected okay
1: and then also people who are born with genital difference so this could encompass intersex people as well yeah because that's a known category in the ancient world people understand that
0: yeah yeah again this is something that frankly is really only coming to the forefront of conversations now yeah. <coughs> uh, that even I- it's worth talking about this as well like biologically intersex people exist so these are people yeah. with both or neither uh, <laughs> uh kind
1: of a whole spectrum uh, sexual of sexual organs mm. and
0: so even just to acknowledge that yeah. that like we i was watching a video of, of someone who had both an ovary and a testicle and they were sharing their experience yeah and again i'm like well i believe that god created uh him he used him uh like i could believe that god created him so, what do I do with that later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this is it. We do just, you know, c- outside of all of the kind of social construct that we talk about, intersex people are people. And they exist and they're part of humanity. And just sex and gender are not as straightforward as this binary that we want to think. Mm. What we've done is hidden people inside of that binary, force mm. people into particular ways of being, force people into particular ways. Of, and you know what? W- what's funny is that, like, I'm sat here wearing trousers, speaking at the front of a church, which... You know in some cultures would completely be male behavior and you don't think it's male behavior because your concepts of feminine and masculine are different but you know all of these things are there so i think it's again it's for me it's really good news there's this passage where jesus talks about and acknowledges and gives witness to other ways of being and i think i I think i probably said this last week if i didn't hope so like you know quite a lot of scripture is there as a witness to things it's not necessarily we're meant to mimic all of Scripture. You know, we don't mimic Abraham's marriage to Sarah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, nobody's gone out and got themselves a concubine. <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> um, that they didn't, that's not consenting. Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> but but it's a witness. It's a witness to these things happening. It's a witness to what's there. And, and again, in a debate like we're in kind of now in the modern world where people are being so kind of just stating something like the Bible only has two genders. It's like, well, Jesus... And it's always nice when you've got words of jesus right because Mm. (laughs) paul i mean i like paul i'm a paul scholar but people get you know all knotted up with paul but when jesus has witness to something Mm. it doesn't solve all of our problems these texts aren't writing to kind of our situation so we still have to we still have to think about like well what do we do with this but the bible is a witness to what was going on in the ancient world and it's a pretty good one you know historians use the bible as well it's you know it's a biased one but it's there and it was written 2000 years ago so this is evidence that that those of us who maybe are thinking about our gender expression differently and think well i don't fit and does this necessarily work in a world of the bible and christianity well yeah these people are right here Mm. and they're in amongst our scriptures you know it's not everybody that we would think of it's not all the genders that we now think about it's not all gender expressions but it's not just a binary
0: yeah and we get to continue to dance and wrestle with the text, mm-hmm. which. So right, we've worked out okay. there's more than two, but there is a bigger problem for me right now is that they're excluded, right? And that's a problem <laughs> yes. because I think mm. that's not yep. good and doesn't seem to be the heart of God, but scripture has something to say about that yes <laughs>
1: so he's good at leading isn't he it's good, it's good. Yeah. Leading questions. so yeah. deuteronomy 23 people are excluded from the assembly of god well what does that mean anyway who are the assembly of god that's a complicated thing um the assembly of god could be two things it could be the whole people of, of israel but it could also just be the sacred space so priesthood um you will find lots of things excluded In Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and I think there's something really important here that I only learned a few years ago. There's a real difference between something that is, I'm going to use the word abomination because that's the word that's thrown around a lot. Something that's an abomination um, isn't always a massive moral judgment because the things that are abominations or are excluded are often only ritually excluded. So there are rules in Leviticus and Deuteronomy about what can go into the temple of God, like what. And to go into the temple of God, you have to be as clean as possible, as ritually clean as possible, okay? But things that aren't ritually clean, menstruating women are not ritually clean. They count as an abomination if they go into the temple of God, okay? But we wouldn't say, well, therefore, all women who menstruate, all people who menstruate, are for all time morally judged and therefore outside of God's kingdom. Nobody has ever done that. But then what we look at something like, say, the verses on homosexuality or the verses here about genitalia and go, well, that must be a moral judgment on their whole person for all of eternity. And it's not. These are verses written about who can do specific things in the temple. And you know what? An awful lot of us are excluded from that when we go through it when we go through Leviticus, an awful lot of us just this morning.
0: None of us are making it.
1: Are, ma- are making it into the assembly of God. So, <coughs> but also in there are, this verses I got, we, we read out three, are Moabites and people of, who have foreign marriages. Now. Awkward. Awkward. But the story of... We call of them race
0: traitors here, Charlotte.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the story of the Old Testament is the continual re-inclusion of people into God's... Um, into israel right so the second the third verse is about moabites yeah the whole book of ruth is about a moabite a moabite who is absolutely excluded to the 10th generation if you marry a moabite and their child and they have a child their child cannot be part of the assembly of god well ruth is a moabite ruth marries boaz they have a child And within about three generations, David exists. Hmm. And David is very much inside the assembly of God, I think we'd all agree. So here's this story of re-inclusion. And it's the same with eunuchs. So in Isaiah 56, is it 56? Yeah, 56. In Isaiah 56, it says, and I'm gonna read it because it's a really great psalm. In Isaiah 56. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, who hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And that whole psalm is about these verses in Deuteronomy. It's about foreigners and moabites and eunuchs and how actually if they love god they will be welcomed into the house of god with more blessing than those of us who just got to kind of get married and have babies (laughs) so they get more because they're getting extra reward by following god despite being excluded in the beginning and this is and this is one of the things that's amazing for me is that when you look at who's excluded there are all these rules about who's excluded and constantly god breaks their own rules yeah (laughs) god constantly breaks their own rules and brings people back in to the house of god and it's just this amazing constant kind of like there's a we want to moralize and we want to go like right here's a here's a hard and fast rule these people aren't allowed in and then god just breaks it god just goes yeah but i've seen this person i've seen these people and they love me i think i'll have them yeah. i think i'll have the moabites back in and you know moabites are the worst of the worst like you are not allowed to marry a moabite they're awful people just lets ruth in yeah because she follows her mother-in-law and she obeys the laws of god
0: and, and so her blood is in jesus. in jesus
1: and then she ends up and this is the way we were talking about it, like and then there's this extra bit where you get to the new testament and then ruth is in the genealogy of christ so there's this absolute kind of like more and more inclusion more re-inclusion of people who've been excluded the further we get through Mm. scripture which is just this beautiful thing so like we really want to moralize like we really like to think this looks normal to us it's probably godly let's make a rule around it and then god goes uh Ah. no (laughs) i love those people i'm gonna have them back
0: that's yeah that's very exciting for me yeah this idea that yeah, we, we don't think of, like, Moabites being a problem. I yep. feel like, you know, we don't, we don't <laughs> talk about Moabites very often. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> but probably because, again, it's like, well, they've been redeemed. They've been brought in. Like, the yeah. what is it to say? Like, they, yeah, yep. the Moabite blood is in the veins of Jesus. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. So we can't have a problem with them yep. if they've been brought back in. And no. as you say, it just seems over and over again, it begins so narrow. You have the chosen people. And then there's more chosen people and then there's more chosen people and then there's more chosen people to the point where yeah like everyone is a chosen people right
1: that's right you know we're all here and i think there's just this kind of like i say that there's just this increase constantly and a widening out and and it's god that breaks the rule i think Mm. this is the thing like i think we get accused quite often of trying to just fit god into a a modern world that we want but time and time again you know the whole story of jonah for example is jonah going no i i don't want to go to Nineveh because uh i don't like them and you they're said they they're w- terrible they're, and they're terrible like people them. and they break all your laws and by rights they should be judged and god's like mm, yeah but i think i want to give him another chance actually yeah. <laughs> i think i'd like that to <laughs> i think i'd like that to happen
0: it's like, <laughs> it's like i have judged them the judgment is mercy yeah. Over, yeah. And over, over and over, and again, over right? again like yeah. the judgment is mercy
1: shall we get into act eight
0: yeah all right final final piece final piece because that was enough time not talking about Unix for a second <laughs> um do you want me to read this yeah so this is this is a piece that um if you've been at church for a while you've probably read it before uh you may have heard this preached on before i feel it's probably one of the more popular ones to preach on but but we're going to re-examine this with what we now know about eunuchs and what we think about eunuchs and perhaps how eunuchs see themselves. Um, So Acts 8, beginning at verse 26, says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road and the desert road, and that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian, eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace. Candace? 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 All right queen of the Ethiopians this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on the way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah hey we were just reading that the prophet the spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stay near it then Philip ran out to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet do you understand what you're reading Philip asked how can I he said unless someone explains it to me so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Sorry, just Jesus, it said. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch bent down in the water, and Philip baptized them. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way, rejoicing. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, I, love, I mean, I love this whole passage but I, I think particularly in the context of when we're talking about gender and who can be included and who can be included in god's kingdom and who does jesus bless and all of those questions that people have and do you have to change this story is incredibly important now mm. this is one of our first kind of major kind of conversions in acts it's the right at the beginning of the church and right at the beginning of the church the beginning of everybody that's being kind of who's finding out about jesus and finding that jesus is the messiah we have a conversion and it could be anybody right i mean this would be a pretty amazing story no matter who it was yep, the angel of the lord tells philip to go to a chariot someone and then happens he, and then to he be teleports away <laughs> he like. teleports away he happens to, like that's pretty miraculous if you know an angel tells you to go somewhere and someone genuinely wants to know about jesus when you get there like that's pretty ace it's I'd never like happened to, to happen. me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like come on um So it's pretty amazing, but it's not just anybody, it's a eunuch, and just, you know, Queen Candice is a real person, the historical queen of the Ethiopians. We have stuff of hers in museums, so she's a real person. But it's a eunuch, um, and it's important that it's a eunuch. Now, it's probably not a eunuch, this is really technical, probably not a eunuch with cross genitals or castrated because he's been to Jerusalem to worship. So he at least would have been in part, seems like he's been in part of the temple but he's called a eunuch so he is somebody who is living outside of this normative idea of gender um, and has to be to have that title so he's important um, and he's a eunuch and Philip has this and he asks this simple question and um, in my translation in the NRSV and, and I think it's more um, relevant to the Greek is the question is what is to prevent me from being pa- baptized right a question that people ask all the time when they're faced with churches and rules about who can come to Jesus what is to prevent me from being baptized and we don't get Philip's answer there's an assumption that the answer is nothing there's nothing to prevent you at no point does Philip say well you can be baptized but later you're going to have to change the way you express your gender or later you're going to have to do these five things or mm. go to, or even some of the stuff that Jesus says to people, which is like, go and get cleaned. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Like Jesus is like,
1: yeah, you've been healed, but you need to go back to the priest and become socially clean and stuff like that. Peter says nothing, and one of my translations Philip. just says like, they oh, so Philip, <laughs> Philip, so they he says nothing, and it's just like, mine says um, they got down in the water together, and I just th- there's just this lovely kind of like, yeah, what, what, what prevents me? Nothing. So let's just get down in the water together and, and be with Jesus, like that's what we're gonna do. And then he goes away, <laughs> spirited away. I mean, clearly he needs no more instruction. Like off this he goes. doesn't happen <laughs> much.
0: No. people don't usually get teleported by the spirit. No, like not to be flippant cool. here. Like <laughs> no that's no. a pretty. It's a pretty <laughs> like cool. Thing. It seems like a significant moment.
1: Yeah, it's a really. And he goes on his way rejoicing, and there's just this utter joy in it. We're left with this. It's just joy, right? This is just mm. a passage of joy. There's nothing else in it. And, you know, and if someone's going, like, well, do people have to change after they've met Jesus? Do they have to? Well, I don't know. I have one example of someone who's outside the binary getting baptised and the entirety of the Bible, that the Bible says about it is he went on his way rejoicing.
0: Mm.
1: He knows God now. Like, and and I want to get down in the water with people (laughs) where Mm. Jesus is. Like how much better it does it get than
0: that and i mean i think we talk about this the reality is that when those barriers are removed when those uh to understanding who jesus is to understanding who we are like do i need to change like no you don't need to but it's inevitable yeah because love transforms in that way community transforms us in that way knowing a place that there's a space for us knowing that there is nothing preventing me from being baptized that transforms us so again i think love is what transform us i don't think uh having a hard and fast rule that (laughs) seems to not really work anyway
1: and uh, you know and and i think this passage kind of takes galatians seriously right in christ there's no slave and free and there's no jew and greek and there's no male and female it takes Mm -hmm. it seriously in christ what is there there's a man who wants to be baptized and there's a man willing to baptize him yeah that's what there is (laughs) What else do you need?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I thought it that was that's a good place to end. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> any? you got any other pieces nope. you want to share? You good? Okay.
1: Let's just get down in the water together.
0: Yeah. Let's get in. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I hope this... That's weird. I've been staring at Sarah the whole time and not at you guys. Um uh, <laughs> But, but I do hope this conversation is encouraging. And again, we do want to be a place where people can ask questions. Um, and if some of this is hard, I recognize that. Like, Some folks have been in church for literally 100 years and won't have heard something like this. And, and that's OK. We want to be a space where we can <laughs> have conversation, where we can disagree well. Uh, but we want to make sure that we have the tools to, to have those conversations well. To so have them in a way that honors and loves people. Like, yeah. that is what matters. And I
1: think, the, so the encouragement from me would be, like, last week I was just sort of going, like, it's okay. Like, however you come to the Bible is okay. Like, the Bible can take it. God can take it. Mm. If anything, if you're confused at the moment in, in about kind of gender in society or about your own gender, that's okay. It was confusing <laughs> 2,000 yeah. years ago, right? Like, the good news is <laughs> it was confusing and God was still in it god's still in it like it's here it's in our text so it's okay to not necessarily know what you think that's okay it's okay to be on a journey with it Mm. you know we talked last week about like you know my relationship with kind of god being different from when i became well my relationship with myself is different now than it was Mm. when i was 13. these things are okay because again we've got a witness to a journey where god doesn't leave so Mm. god's not going anywhere it's okay <laughs> we can do this and i'm sure you've got people who can talk to people about gender yeah, i'm sure. sticking around a bit you can <laughs> chat to me if you want <laughs> um but but yeah like it's okay because we've got witnesses to other people like you say the disciples are going like well if that's the thing about marriage and they've been with jesus for three years by then <laughs> and they're still <laughs> confused by things so it's okay for us to 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 be worried but i think the thing is to not let go like mm. we're in this we're in a community together, we can like say we can get down in the water together and figure it out. Don't let from go there. of scripture,
0: don't let go of one another, yeah. don't let go of Jesus. Yeah. And it's gonna be all right.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. All right, let me let me pray us out. Oh god, it's always it's always such a privilege to know more of you, to experience more of you. And Lord we do uh, yeah, we pray for those who have been excluded, and uh, and there's a million reasons that people have been excluded, and we see no reason to exclude them, Lord. What is what is stopping them from being baptised, Lord? We pray that that, uh, that be a that be a prayer, that be a, a fire that starts in us and starts in in people that maybe, yeah, maybe searching for a place where they can belong. We thank you for these constant examples of love that you show. And we thank you that your arms go wider and wider and wider than we can imagine. That your story is one of including those who, who we thought would be impossible to include. In Jesus, that your life and your death and your resurrection stand as testimony to all of that. Lord, I pray for peace on all of us. I thank you for this congregation that is willing to wrestle, that's willing to have difficult conversations. And Lord, I thank you for Charlotte. I thank you for her ministry. I thank you for the impact that she's had on my life and and so many other lives as well. Well, We we bless her and we uh, pray that she doesn't be too exhausted (laughs) moving forward. We ask all these things in your name, Lord. Amen.